Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts, Dum Dums and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, The Mythos Mysteries, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town, The Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise. Dice today. Welcome back, my kindred, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am Sylvania Dracul, your host through this world of darkness. Val and Everett avoided talking about the whole dad thing as they returned to the station. Doris interrogated their prisoner and learned that someone with terrifying skill had tampered with his memory. And Evangeline awoke in the basement, facing a cauldron of boiling blood and a strange and powerful vampire, her face concealed by a beaded veil. Just what is this new vampire's plan for a brighter future? Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. Evangeline, your eyes pop open again. For you, no time has passed. You've gone from the van to the blood magic, back to popping awake in the chair, and looking forwards, you see a small Nosferatu standing before you. Uh, he's he's crouched down. He looks nervous. Uh, he's got uh, the. Can, can I speak at this point? Yes, you're. you're ah! You speak. You can move. <laughs> 
don't don't make any noise. You don't need to do that. He's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. It's me, Costas. I'm friendly, Costas. Uh, he has a bat-like nose and bat ears along with a wrinkled bald skin on his head. He's like, this is my store. I didn't put you here. I don't want any of these for anyone. I'm so sorry. Uh, I think she just like can't say anything right now. Okay, it's the middle of the day. I managed to wake myself up and break free. Uh, everyone else here is... Uh, there are other people. And you look around the room and you see that there are other chairs now uh, with other vampires strapped into them, all of whom have been staked. Uh, and Costas in front of you nervously is like, I, I freed you because you have... Uh, police! Save me, police! Uh, uh, okay, so like in Evangeline's mind, it's like... Uh, there's like a couple things going on, which is like, oh my god, would love to be being rescued right now. Um, also, it's like, is this a trap? Uh, and then thirdly, good god, Nosferatu are disgusting. Um, so, um, <laughs> she's just like, uh, do you want to do it? Do you want to do a roll to see what vibe you get off of? Yeah, the that'd person. Be nice. Great. Uh, I would say wits, and then. Could be investigation if you're trying to take in the environment and balance with him. Could be awareness, or it could be streetwise if you're just trying to read the vibe on Costas. Um, I think probably awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's all right. awareness. So, yeah, just all of the hunger dice. <laughs> well, that's two criticals on hunger dice. So, all right, messy successy baby. <laughs> Poor Constance. Well, let me check something for you, and then we'll be able to move forward with this. this I was just getting to like Costa, you know? Yeah. Is that his name? What is his name? Costa? Uh, His name is Costas. Costas, okay. Costas. There would be every chance you would do something incredibly evil otherwise, but you are still tied down with silver chains. So uh, your your beast uh, tears into you. (sighs) Of course. Uh, and your feral impulses return. Uh, you lunge towards him uh, and shift towards your cat-like self. So oh, at nice. this point, uh, uh, you gain a three-dice penalty to all rolls involving manipulation and intelligence, and you can only speak in one-word sentences during this scene. Yeah. So your beast responds to looking at what, for you... Um, Evangeline as a person would know is another vampire and another living being, but you're still so new to this and being exposed to the supernatural that yeah. your gut just screams monster or predator yeah. uh, and your beast comes out and responds. So you jerk against uh, your restraints uh, and your uh, your inner dark beast comes to the fore. No, that's great. What do you say? So it's one word responses and what? One word sentences, and you have minus three die rolls to manipulation or intelligence. Okay, minus three. Uh, However, uh, you can tell uh, your internal predator tells you that this is not a predator you're looking at. This is prey. This is someone who is scared. This is someone who is soft. This is someone who is not on the side uh, of anything deadly. Mm -hmm. You are the lion with the thorn in its paw looking at a very scared mouse. Okay. (laughs) The only thing I think she can do is just literally like lunge forward, like with her hands and, and like, it's just like you, like, that's it. That's it. (laughs) 
I don't know what you want me to do. I'm, I'm constantly, I'm just, I run a store. They came in and it's also scary. And even, there's so many people tied to chairs down here. This is not what I want. I don't, what do I do? How, how do? And she just, I think she literally just like, I think at this point she just kind of has to mine like, like steak. Except like your, your hands are, your oh, hands my hands are, are bound. Fuck. Yeah, your hands um, are tied to the So she just, she said, free! Oh, you, you want me, you want cost just to free you? Get you, uh, the, the steak, you want me to undo chains. Okay, okay, okay. The steak is out. I can take the chain. Do you want a and neck she's, chain? she's just snarling at him. Neck chain first. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just cautious. I did not mean to. I just, I want to make things out of wood. This is supposed to be a nice place. Now. Okay, okay. I, I help you. I help you. Uh, and Costas reaches out uh, and and grabs the chain around your neck to loose it, at which point he is blasted uh, with the white fire of a ward against vampires uh, and is hurled backwards and against the wall with burns covering his face and torso and is immediately knocked unconscious. And you are left chained and feral in the dark. Evangeline just shrieks. She just raises her head to the sky and (laughs) to the ceiling and just screams in rage. And the door to the room bursts open a few moments later, and a number of men and women in business suits with katanas at their hips hurry forwards, spot the scene, haul Costas away, reclaim the stake, and drive it back into your heart. Fantastic. Meanwhile, (laughs) at the station, for a few hours later for them, for Evangeline's experience, instantly, uh, you all awake. Everett, you awake uh, in a coffin that's clearly marked Sheriff. Uh, Val, you awake to a coffin next to it that is one of the, it's it's traditionally one of the loners, but it is the Val coffin. Nobody else uses this one. It's just for Val. How would Val have marked her territory in terms of a basement full of coffins? Oh, man. Um, I think it would be like they were originally like lined up or whatever and she would have just pushed it all the way in the corner like sideways <laughs> like that one <laughs> fabulous um so val uh, i imagine you would wake up first your humanity is uh higher than everett's so you would come to the world a little bit faster mm-hmm. you'd climb out obviously you're fully clothed i don't think you would no. change to yeah. sleep uh everett however you see climb out of your deceased sire's coffin. Oh, why? Why? Why is this like this? How how does Val uh, react seeing Everett wake up? And Everett, what do you say? You're waking up after an insane night uh, and seeing one of your officers outside of their coffin across the room. Uh, I don't think he clues in that he's performed a <laughs> grievous transgression. Uh, he gets up. He like he grabs his hat that's like just beside the coffin, puts it on his head, and he says, uh, Aiden officer, we got work to do. And he's gonna get up and, and start heading up the stairs. And Val like stares at him. Like she starts startles when he wakes up and gets out of it and then stares like she's seen a ghost. Like she's just like frozen there until he leaves the room and then she like takes a minute to compose herself. She doesn't say anything. All righty. Doris. How does awakening work for you on this fine day in Doris land? Um, Well, Doris has an ability to uh, wake up an hour before sunset. Um, 
So I feel like she's been awake for a bit. Yep, I will say you've used all of the blood. We won't even make you do rolls because you had more than enough. So at this point, you can remove your last point of aggravated damage uh, because you were sent home with blood packs from Mm -hmm. the hospital. So you are fully healed. We'll just say that happens just as you do your normal morning eating. I am fully healed and I'm back to one hunger. Yes. Yeah, great. Um, I feel like the first thing she would do is wrap herself in this like really nice robe. Um... And then she would go and open a drawer and pull out a package of something. And she'd go and she'd like knock on the chest that this guy is in. And then she'll just kind of lean down to the little air hole and just say, uh, would you like some jerky? Yes. Please let me out of here. I, uh, it's so hard to breathe. That's not what I asked you. <laughs> I asked you if you wanted some jerky. I mean, Yes. But I also need to poop. Well, then you shouldn't have spat in my face. (laughs) Oh, fuck, lady. (laughs) And she's going to, like, she's going to slide a little piece of beef jerky into the hole for him. Um, And I feel like she she keeps this in there. (laughs) These holes are, like, Slim Jim shaped, so you just slide. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then uh, then she's just going to, like, pat the top of the um the chest and then she's going to go over to her little table and it has like the kind of lace covering it's very dainty uh very old looking she's going to sit down on her uh fortune telling table and she's just going to do uh her morning reading with her morning blood tea wonderful let's roll a cult and what do you think attribute wise she would use for reading uh for reading i feel like it would be i mean i feel like it would be intelligence or i would wits. say yeah there's intelligence or in traditional D sense wits would be the wisdom of it so if it's like oh, an insider yeah, and gut check okay yeah let's do wits and occult then all right so i'm rolling six two two, two. one two three four All right. The cards are giving you some more definitive signals than usual, but still are not, you know, entirely clear as they are always mysterious. Uh, Your read on the day is that there will be big moves and great danger. uh, A meeting Mm. of the minds of some kind. Cool. Um, Meeting of the minds. I think to her, that's exciting because in her mind, she is one mind and the other mind is the person who might be more powerful than her. Um, and whether or not that's true, that's just how she interprets it. So this is a big day for Doris um, because she, she might meet somebody who is very impressive. Uh, like evil, not good, but I mean, eh, those lines are blurry for her. So um, yeah. Yeah, I think she would take the card that symbolizes like most meeting of the minds and she would kind of like slip it into an like a maybe under her hat uh, before she leaves for the day. Um, Knowing that this is a Doris deck, 
what would be on that card? Because I don't think we're constrained by the idea of a traditional tarot deck or anything like that. This is something Doris has constructed over hundreds of years. So what card is it that's traveling with you today? So what I feel like this deck looks like, it's like exactly what you said. It's from tarot decks from so many different, like, or, or card decks and stuff like that from so many different eras. And so it's all animals, but it's like animals from so many different centuries and like they're mythical animals. They're real animals. There's a pig. There's a unicorn. There's like maybe a dodo bird who knows. Um, but just, yeah, all over the place. Doesn't make any sense to anybody else. Like people are like, why is there a pig card? I don't know. Um, I think for meeting of the minds. Ooh, I feel like that would be a dolphin. Because dolphins are very smart. Um, yeah, and dolphins like humans. So, yeah, that's my, that's my instinct. It would be a dolphin, like, coming out of the water. Or two dolphins coming out of the water. Excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so that's what she would do. I think she's going to uh, put the... Is there anything I can do with the vial of blood? Where did the vial of blood that I collected from the crime scene, who did that come from? Did it come from the dead person or did it come from like the person who did the ritual? The vial of blood was collected off of the body of the dead person. You yes. believe You believed it was kindred blood at the time, but it could just have been bait for the ward, which burned everything away. So you're not sure. Right. So not fr- it's not from the person who was dead. You just don't know the other source. So that would be like um, priority number one for her is uh, figuring out what she can from this blood in right. the hour that she has before um, she knows everybody else wakes up. So what is your blood seeking ability? Do you have a taste? You, you've got like a I taste blood and learn things. Yeah, that's basically I think I have sense the unseen and taste of blood. Nice. Let's go with taste of blood. That feels right for this. Okay. Uh, free resolve plus blood sorcery. So one, two, three, four. That's a fail. Damn it. Uh, you taste the blood and realize it tastes like burnt magic. Ugh. You can't actually get the flavor of whoever was in it. Triggering the ward clearly interfered with the bloodlines that you would normally engage with. It just got fried. So you're not going to get any evidence from this. Other than you can confirm it was kindred blood and magic was near it. That's But that's all you're going to know. And it takes you this long to sort that out just because mm-hmm. you're checking all the angles to where you could find information. Uh, in, in your own home setup, it's not just as crude as I taste it, it good. Uh, you you run through all the tests, and unfortunately, uh, it's been burnt out. Okay. So knowing that you you've got your uniform to get back into, but you lost your favorite hat. What is your new hat <sighs> set up like? Yeah. So she lost her favorite white hat. I think she would move on to a pink hat. Um. It's it's yeah. It's her second favorite hat. It's the same kind of style of like a wide brimmed hat. But I feel like okay. So you know those lampshades that have the uh, the little balls dangling from the edges. Oh yeah. Um, yep. I feel like this hat looks like one of those. Jesus. But like with the brim. <laughs> Fabulous. Nice. So you come downstairs. Uh, every you are coming up the stairs and see Doris in this outfit. Before you enter the central space, how do you react? Uh, 
I think it's one of those things where like you're going upstairs. So you're kind of like just like looking down, right? You're looking down at your feet, kind of going up the stairs or whatever. It's like the first thing you're doing after waking up. And he kind of gets up to the the top few stairs and he looks up, I guess, seeing you're coming down like a separate flight of stairs to this main lobby. Uh, and it's just, it's just a, a, like a scan kind of up and down just to, <laughs> to just really taking inventory of this deputy. Um, and then just, I think, uh, whoa. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Good evening. Uh, good morning. Uh, are you going to wear that all night? Is there a problem, <laughs> sir? Well, I, ju- I just thought the deputies had uh, uniforms. You know, we're going to be out tonight. We need people to to recognize our authority here as, as being the law in, in New Haven. Well, you see, sir, people recognize my authority because if they don't, they face problems from me. You know what? I bet you do get recognized kind of all over town, don't you? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's only my second night here as sheriff. Far be it for me to tell you how to dress, I, I suppose. There are many ways to be intimidating, Mr. Sheriff, sir. I am learning that about you, Officer Barbara. And the but- two of you turn and push mm-hmm. open the door and stride into the center of the office. However, downstairs, Val, you've got a moment uh, and your son, you get a second text from him now that just says, I'm going off to work. It's going to be totally fine. Have a good night. <laughs> She's She was planning to not respond and then he texted <laughs> her again. So she does respond and all she writes back is, are you armed? Question mark. <laughs> no, I'm not some kind of fucking psycho. <laughs> he texts back. Remember, this is Canada, so there's different reactions to guns here. Yes, that's fair. <laughs> she's just like sigh, close phone, walk upstairs. Like she, she can't. She, there's other problems right now, so she's gonna, she's gonna walk upstairs. Fabulous. Oh, uh, uh, do we need rouse checks? Yes, I will need one hmm. from Everett and from you, Val. Fail, oh, fail. So well, hungry. some hunger, friends. So um, Val, I will say uh, you have access to uh, human blood. You've got rations that are stored in the station. So I'll paint this next picture, but we will get there. Uh, Everett and Doris, you walk through the door. Val, you're a heartbeat behind them. Their conversation mm-hmm. on the stairs balanced out your time texting. Uh, what you find is a flurry of activity. There are still the small number of desks, but there are a few mortal officers stacking papers and leaving reports behind with Barty shoving them out the door would be the polite way of saying it. Like, yeah, they got what they need over here. It's fine. Just get out and go home. We don't fuck with vampires. Get out. Um, and they get hurried out. You can see there's been an elaborate setup of all of the evidence and collected items from the previous evening. You guys left a lot of crime scenes behind while you were on your adventures. And the daytime crew are very much the people call and we clean up and collect the evidence from the night crew. Uh, there are banks where rations are available for those of you who drink kind blood, the kind in this, I think it's kind. Yeah. Kind blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so automatically Val, you can go to one hunger because that's what's available there. Uh, Everett, the only thing on display is the blood of mortals, which is not your style. Uh, oh. However, Barty is looking at you going, you gotta, you gotta be hungry. And just come on over here. And he gestures into the office. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's something I've been meaning to talk to you about, actually. 
Oh, it's Stephens. Stephens. Yeah, oh. yeah. And he lights a cigarette as he closes the door. Okay, what do you need? Look, you know, last night you expressed uh, how badly, you know, you need me here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't have, I don't have a lot of friends in this town. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of leverage that. Like you need me and I, I need you. Uh, so I'm going to tell you something that I don't think other people should know. And that's that I feed off of vampires exclusively. Yeah, oh, I was going to say you did it in front of everybody earlier. So I didn't <laughs> think it was a secret. That's okay. I got, we'll just we'll schedule it with the hospital and that'll be fine. But, uh, have some ghoul blood for now. Honestly, we have people go into the hospital and just donate vampire blood and give them other blood. You're pretty okay in general. I'll give you some of the ghoul blood. No one cares. Just You don't have to amylorize people, do you? What is... Is that the thing that I almost did to that woman last night? I think we Diablerized? all... Diablerized? Yeah, we all assumed you were trying to do that on purpose. No, that was uh, not on purpose. Yeah, so... Diabler is where you eat another vampire and then you suck the soul out and then you get stronger because you ate the soul. Souls, blood magic, God. All right. So, no, I'm not keen to eat a vampire's soul. I just need to get this, you know, this monkey off my back about the the hunger, that itch. All right, well, I'll put in an extra order for some ghoul blood, and we'll see what we can do. But I got, hold on just a second. Uh, and he has to get himself an iced tea after that cigarette because he's all all kinds of fucked up in this office. Uh, and then he just opens the mini fridge next to where he keeps his iced teas. And you see, amongst a smattering of fallback iced teas, in case his first runs out, a selection of, uh, I think, I cannot remember whether the silver or the white was the ghoul blood, but uh, I think it was the white was the ghoul blood. So the, the white mark packages, which are vampire blood to be used by officers for ghouling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gives you a number of those. So what is your hunger at currently, Everett? Three? Yeah, you can go down to one. Whew. Uh, you, you, there, there are enough rations for this. Um, he says to you, obviously, we're kind of having trouble with the rations for everybody because uh, the city's so... Uh, so fucked up, but as long as we can keep it on the level, we'll be able to keep you guys supplied. Now, let me walk you all through the evidence, he says, opening the door and kind of storming out. Uh, and he's like, this has been a shit fest. There's a scene. Alright, this is going to be a bit of a dump. So, there was the first scene you left with the, the skin man. I got the, the scene we looked after. And an old woman sent drawings for Doris. Drawers. Here, uh, and she just hands those over. Doris, when you look at it, it, it says, uh, "These are for you, love, Marjorie," uh, <laughs> and it's clearly a a hand drawn copy of all of the runes and sigils used uh, on the floor around uh, the circle. Love her, which she had said she would send. And we uh, we went over the van that was in that with the we buried the bodies. There was I got an officer who's probably gonna have PTSD, but we did it. Uh, <laughs> And uh, we, we found the van that got driven off the road in the Nosferatu corridor. We did that. And uh, uh, we looked at the dead guy. And, and we reviewed that map. And, uh, okay, dark dark piece of news I got to add. Oh, I'm going to need a cigarette to get through this because it's so dark. We found a house inside the Malkavian district. There were, there were ten people in it. They'd all been drank dry. Just... 
drained fang marks for fun. But they didn't even hide that it was vampires that did it. All of them died last night. They've been tracked other places first through the day. It's dark shit. Dark shit all. Also, I mean, none of you were going to like this, but the box came in again. And Val and Doris, you look over and see a giant shipping crate that is seven feet tall and six feet wide. And you both know what's about to happen. And you don't like it. And then you hear a kick and the front of this crate just falls off. And inside is an older looking vampire, a gentleman sitting on a golden throne with a red back. He's in an expensive suede suit with slicked back white hair, uh, almost an F. Murray Abraham type being like, it is I, Alabaster Kane, the Camarilla lawyer. Howdy, I'm Everett Fry. I'm taking a little break from solving vampire crimes to talk to y'all about the Dumb Dumbs and Dice Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice, you can support these fine folks that bring you this show and other shows at a number of different levels. Well, hell, for just $1 a month, you get access to the patron-only Discord. Now, I don't know what a Discord is, but it's my understanding that it's a place where a bunch of the fans gather and hang out, and it's quite active. Hell, even some of the cast members show up on there, and they're quite active too. So if that uh, tickles your fancy into something you'd be interested in checking out, well, just head on over to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. What the hell's a Patreon? Dum Dums and Dice would like to invite you to check out their flagship podcast, Dum Dums and Dragons. It's a show where improvisers who've never roleplayed before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. It features Laura Elizabeth as the wizard Alan, Tyler Hewitt as the thief Quinny, and Ryan LaPlante as a cleric named Butthole. Through their first season, these heroes experience the minds of Fandelver, but starting in season two, they step into a world of fully original adventures from the mind of DM Tom McGee. Follow them from the beginning of their quest through Five more seasons and beyond. Check it out now. Dom, Doms and Dragons. Now it's time for you to let my clients go or execute them. And he stands up, raising an arm with a, a disturbing amount of flair. Val and Doris. Alabaster Kane is the representative of the Camarilla sent by the other princes and princesses throughout Canada to supervise this project. Oh, Alabaster Kane is the person who has to lay out what the laws are and what is possible, and then the sheriff makes the decision on the actions that are to be taken. Alabaster Kane is so full of himself that he refers to himself as Alabaster Kane. Uh he is simultaneously a blowhard, kind of helpful and incredibly dangerous because if he discovers things are going wrong, he is the direct report back to the Camarilla saying that New Haven is falling apart. However, he also kind of likes his job here where he's very important because lawyers are mm-hmm. traditionally not terribly important in the Camarilla. You would both know this. There's one in North America. It's Alabaster Kane. Because generally speaking, if you're a prince or a princess, the answers are, I kill them, I didn't like what they did, or I punish them, I'm cool with it. Right. I don't really need a lawyer. So when he says his clients uh, that we have, who is he speaking about? 
All the vampires in the cells. Alabaster represents every vampire in the city. Every, I see. He is the default lawyer. Right. Right. So, So, okay. Which ones shall we execute and which ones shall we let go? Of, Of your clients? Correct. Well, I'm afraid we haven't, uh, sir, sir, it's a pleasure to see you as always, sir. May I ask how you are? Excellent. I had myself shipped here as one does. They no longer refuse the shipment so I can make my dramatic entrances. I only wish that my entrances could be as dramatic as yours, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, Doris. Adorable. <laughs> Adorable, am I right? All right. So, what can we do Good for God. my class? I think Val, you probably fucking hate Alabaster King because yeah, he's got people gonna... off on crimes. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I hate him so much. I was gonna like... say Val. Val hates him, and she's definitely just standing like with her arms crossed and like seething because I feel like she has gotten in trouble for mouthing off to this man <laughs> in multiple instances before. <laughs> so she's trying to damage control herself by just staying out of it. Officer Valerie, doing great work as always. I assume now, Sheriff, you have. Fucker. I'm sorry, did you say something? Of course not, sir. (laughs) She was just saying the other day how much she wishes you'd come around more often. Oh, that's that's so lovely to hear. So lovely to hear. So we've got a number of my clients. He says, turning straight to the sheriff. You're going to need to decide their fate so that I can return to my other duties. So let's talk about Kai and Bear. What proof do you have? that they should be executed. Uh, And Val, I feel like this is the point where you usually end up being prosecutor, and Mm -hmm. you both know that Everett does not know anything about these cases. So to fill you in and give you a reminder, Val, Kai and Bear are twin brothers who run Chuckless Cheese, the arcade of New Haven. They also have a habit of murdering people just outside of New Haven who shockingly are found to have silver weapons on them, so it's an arguable case of self-defense. Yep. that is what happened here yeah and, and this has happened multiple times before yes and they skate every time yeah um but they, they murdered a trucker uh you thought you'd got them finally you could prove they killed somebody which would mean they could be punished by law but the trucker had a gun on him with silver bullets in it so they argue Ooh. it was a man from the second inquisition and that they are heroes of the town you arrested them anyways mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It is up to you to provide uh, the yep. evidence here. Yeah, Val would say, uh, "They murdered right outside city limits a trucker who was armed." I guess. So, and what was he armed with? handgun with silver bullets so yeah exactly second inquisition no charges no reasonable cause to kill them sir if i may i mean you may you know that they're insane right (laughs) and he just looks at doris and then looks at doris's hat (laughs) and then looks at everett and looks at everett's shorts And he's like, we're all a little bit crazy here in the Camarilla. But the important thing is they were saving the town from the Second Inquisition. So I think we should let them go unless you can convince me otherwise, Sheriff. Uh, I'm I'm afraid I I don't think there's uh, compelling evidence to keep them here. I think we should just 
let them go. We've got other investigations to get on with. One of your clients uh, is needed for questioning. Okay, I'll go let them go, says Troy. Uh, Val, what does it look like if Troy's looking? Troy has to pass you to get to the cells to let Kai and Bear go. Yeah, I, I think if 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 Troy... <laughs> Troy is still human even though he gets ghouled. I think he would still have human instincts of like, this woman wants to murder me <laughs> as he is walking in front of her. Yeah, Troy flinches and gives you about three feet in an unnecessary way where he almost sidles over a desk with both hands rather than walk directly <laughs> past you. That's fair. And, uh, I think even Doris, without pa- like, she knows the direction he's going. And I think even without looking at Val, she's just like, don't hurt my human, Val. Yeah. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing what Kai and Bear do next. They're always so creative. And a second later, Kai and Bear come strolling out of the back like they just won world championship titles. They're in their white suits with their black shirts, waving their arms really excitedly in their sneakers like, what are you going to do? Great. Everything about this place is great. Love you. Love you. They both say to Val, completely clueless about her level of rage, like, you're great. You're a great cop and we're going to keep you and everyone else safe. All of you get half off a Chuckless Cheese this week. Woo! And then they are just out the door and fucking gone. Okay, great. <laughs> fuck, fuck this whole week. <laughs> and then you mentioned that some other client of mine says Alabaster Kane, like taking and uh, putting one of his feet up on a desk, but it's a little bit too high to do the jaunty knee, <laughs> but he tra- like, forces himself to do it anyways. Is he Rikering? A little yeah. bit of that, yeah. yeah. And he's like, which of my other clients are you saying needs to be held for questioning? The other two. Uh, yeah, and I'm actually drawing a blank on the name. So of the, in one, there the is there is Fabienne Lacroix, yeah, Fabienne, mm-hmm. uh, That's which, is, which I would say is written on one of the sheets in front of you, Everett, so you could right see now, that. Yeah. And then the other person that had been mentioned was Alford from the Note Nostra, who is captured hiding in his shed under an inflatable boat. That is all the information you know so about Alford. Right. I love that someone gave Everett Cliff's notes. We're trying. Yeah, thank you. Barty is um, aware. Because, I mean, that's the other thing that's worth flagging. The three of you don't know how to give Everett Cliff's notes. Barty is on team help Everett look competent. So good. Um, I think what's important to Doris is that this dude not catch any wind that, like, things are going poorly in this town. Uh, because things absolutely cannot go poorly for her. Um, uh, so I think she'll look at him and just say, um, well, sir, there's... um." Uh, Fabienne Lacroix, um, who I just think had a bit of a bad night um, and and caused some disturbances, sir. But uh, I'm sure, and and she's just been, uh, shall we say, sleeping it it off. So I'm sure that if we talk to her, it's none of, it's no business that you need to concern yourself with, sir. But I'm sure that if we talk to her, we can settle everything out and she can go. Well, Fabienne is important, but not the most important, so I think holding her for a few more hours is reasonable. However, we are going to need to talk about this town hall meeting that's been scheduled for about mm, 20 minutes from now. So it turns out... Town town hall meeting? Yes, there was a gunfight outside a retirement home, and then a dead person was found, and then a house full of dead people. And there have been a number of vampires disappearing from a <sighs> variety of, of communities that people are very worried about. So Damn all it. of the all of the heads of the representatives of the clans want to be able to 
I mean, politely, we could say talk with you, and more honestly, we could say berate you and find out exactly what's going on in town. So, town hall, all of you are going to have to be there in uh, about 15 minutes. So, get in your vehicles, have a nice time, and I, Alabaster Kane, will see you later. Barty, ship my chair. Uh, and Alabaster just turns and walks out, and Barty's like, I hate that he makes me ship the chair back every time. <laughs> he pays the budget. Look, as, okay. the, sh- as the sheriff... I don't have to go to a, a town hall meeting, right? We've got people to look for. We've got an investigation going on. You need to go to the town hall meeting, Sheriff. If you're not there, it looks like we're divided. And it looks like we don't have everything under control. And if we don't have everything under control, this whole town goes under. Do you understand? Yeah, one oh, of the things damn. about this situation, Sheriff, is that uh, because we don't have a princess... It means somebody's got to be the princess. Somebody's got to make those big calls and keep the clans in line. All right. That's fine, you. You're going to be my princess. Surely my deputies then do not have to be present. No, they're going to need to be there too. You're going to need the backup. So please. just so I'm clear on this, we have a town hall for how long do you assume? An hour? Maybe. Conservatively. Conservatively an hour. And at that point of the night, there's just no law enforcement present in New Haven? Is that is that the idea? Is that how this fucking city is run? Evangeline's still out there. Perhaps uh, she's uh Evangeline needs us. Has she yeah. reported in, Bart? That's, that's, that's true, but at the same time, uh, if the representatives of the clans decide to abandon your rule, then New Haven falls apart and 14,000 people get liquidated. So I think you should go to the fucking hour-long meeting. Val Val uh kicks a desk and like papers go scattering and she's like fucking politics. I hate this fucking shit. I love politics. Would you like my hat, sir? It's vaguely princess like. No, I I've got my own, thanks. Oh, Everett, I got you a uniform that's tailored to you. So put this fucking shit on. I gotta fucking clean up these papers now and y'all gotta go to a me. I gotta mail a chair. Oh, and Val. Despite the mess, I got Cherry sent over to Ripcorn Mechanics for you. Oh, just get a look after. I need a cigarette and a nice tea. Leave me alone. That, that will will take a minute and like pat Marty on the shoulder and give him a legitimate like thank you. You're welcome. I'm gonna go have a cigarette and seven iced teas. Have you ever I'll... thought about putting iced tea in an IV bag and hooking it up to your bloodstream? I wonder if that would work. I gotta talk to that head nurse. I don't know if I can do that as a ghoul. I couldn't as a person, but maybe I can now. Oh, oh it's a good day for old Barty Chiroptera, uh, he says, and goes into his office and closes the door. So all of you know, you barely have enough time uh, yeah. to get to the meeting as it is. So you need to head out. Is there any last minute advice you give to Everett before you drive to the town hall meeting? Um... Uh, I would say, um, Mr. Sheriff, sir, it's very important to know that every single representative of these clans wants to feel special. (laughs) Everybody has to feel appreciated because we're all working together to make sure that this town works. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah, I understand. So no stealing anyone's souls. (laughs) Uh... I just want to take a quick minute to 
to make it clear that that is not how I normally behave. (laughs) I'm not judging you, sir. I have done far worse things in my life before I came here. That's that's the new scariest thing I've heard you say. Uh, (laughs) Look, that was a one-off. That's not going to happen again. All right. Well. So. It's just very important that everyone feels like they are seen and heard. And that no further harm will come even though it will, um, <clears throat> because the people we're dealing with are very, very powerful. Very, very powerful, sir, do you understand? You know, I happen to have uh, a little bit of experience with uh, being under the boot heel of some very, very powerful people, so I'm sure I'll feel right at home. Oh, good. And, and, then- and uh, Val's only advice for him... She doesn't really have any as she just for once looks him in the eye and she says, as soon as this shit's done with, we'll find Clark. Right. Evangeline. Right. Good. (laughs) So you all go out and climb into the remaining squad car. I imagine Val is driving. I don't see Val let Doris do it. No. Everett doesn't know the town. He doesn't know where to go. So where you're going. Chauffeur. So you all uh, roll out heading towards a town hall meeting that none of you wants to attend, but you all have to be there for. Meanwhile, Evangeline, a stake is pulled out of your chest yet again, a sensation you're becoming all too familiar with. As for you, this has happened three times in the last five minutes. You awake to a new scene of horror. Uh, Room around you, the tables have been cleared out. The work tables have been cleared away and you can see Four other vampires, including Costas, strapped in to iron chairs that have been bolted to the floor evenly around the room. In front of you, the woman in black stands uh, alongside two other vampires, both of them women, approximately her height, wearing black evening gowns and black leather gloves that go carry up to their elbows. One of them has a shorter haircut, bright green. Uh, the other's hair is pulled back in a ponytail uh, with no presentation or art to their appearance at all. One very catered and modern, the other very uh, plain, but in a very conscious, I don't care about how I look. I'm mm. here for, as far as you can tell, brutal violence. Both of them are pale. Both of them are clearly not breathing. None of these vampires have the same appearance that you'd come to expect from the other vampires around New Haven. They don't try to hide that they're monsters. And you know, from your experience, they'd either have to be hundreds of years old or have actively practiced not breathing to not breathe because it is not a habit people get into without conscious effort or an incredibly Mm. long time as kindred. Most terrifyingly, they are all gently Uh, running their fingers through the air at their sides as though they were playing an invisible piano or, or anything. It's it's sinuous. It's strange. It's uncomfortable. And they're all murmuring under their breath words. You cannot make out though. You feel that if you could, you would be desperately trying to forget them. As this goes on the same Bruja who pinned you down to the seat when you were taken opens the door behind them and drags in uh, an elderly man, at which point all three of the vampires lunge forward and feast upon him, sinking their fangs in as he groans. 
and as he falls limp to the floor and is thrown aside into a body pile that you can see already contains three dead people, they turn back and begin chanting once more. And you realize Costas, the vampire next to you, has gone from moaning quietly and fearfully to snarling and growling and battling against his bonds until they go over and the Bruja puts a bag over his head. And then they turn their attention to you. And as their spell continues, you try to resist and you try, but you feel again magic drawing the life out of the blood within you. Only this time, it doesn't drive you back into torpor. This time, you feel your beast coming to the fore. You feel a red frenzy laying over your vision and you lose all control, lashing out, violent. The only thing you want to do is feed. And at that point, a bag is jammed over your head. And all you hear from the discussion outside you is, Excellent. Now we'll take them to the town hall meeting. This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter, Del Borvik at Deltastic on Twitter, Lori Elizabeth at E.L. Hamstring on Twitter, and storyteller Ryan LaPlante at The Ryan LaPlante on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and our show log was created by Decapitated Markers at Decapitated Marker on Twitter. That's M-R-K-R. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai Engel. And our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We also have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Sleep well, my kindred. Sleep well in this world of darkness. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, the half-blind prophet. Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby. One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield. Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters. Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, Grandma Likes D&D, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.